Hello, and welcome to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. While there, you can join in the conversation about this show. Just search for Built Different Podcast in your internet browser. Here now are your hosts, Zach Clinton and Brooke Bryan. Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. Let's go. Let's go. We're your hosts. I'm Brooke. And I'm Zach. And guys, today we have a very special guest. Um, it is Mark Hippler. Yep. He's one of the top 100 attorneys in the nation. Mm. He has the number one largest settled case regarding denied coverage, wow. which is just huge. Wow. But guys, I want to let you in kind of an insider view. Um, Mark Hippler is my family. Mm. Um, I call him Uncle Mark. He's going to talk about today the cabinet theory. He is a person in my cabinet, someone, Mm. a mentor of mine, someone that I go to often and just live life with. Mm. Um, I think a really sweet thing that Mark does, um, he's obviously an incredibly busy man. Everyone wants a piece of Mark Hippler. Um, But every time he's here in Lynchburg, he just cuts his schedule apart and says, Brookie, um, when are you free? When can I come over um, so we can just have coffee? I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Um, mm. And it's just he's so kind in that way. And before we get into his awesome interview with you, Zach, I just want to take a moment to kind of give our listeners another side view of who Mark is. Please because do. I just get so excited when I talk about Mark because I think he's just so Christ-like. Yeah. He's one of those people that when you meet them, you're like, yes, Christ is in this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think how that manifests in Mark is he lives his life in a way that is like countercultural, mm-hmm. and he has these attributes about him that just juxtapose each other. And mm-hmm. you're like, how the heck can this and this be in one man? Yeah. And with Mark, that comes up like, Mark is one of the most blessed and favored men um, I've ever met. Like Mm. the Lord blesses his life. He's extremely talented with people, extremely sharp mind. Um, People love and are just attracted to who he is. Incredibly successful lawyer, father, all the things. Mm. But with that, he doesn't hoard it for himself. He's not Mm. only blessed and favored, but he's one of the most generous people I've ever met. So he has this incredible beach house. He has a bowling alley in his home. Mm. And the reasons why he has these things isn't to flaunt them. Yeah. And it's not to exploit them for himself, for his own pleasure or the pleasure of his family. Mm. He has these things like a bowling alley, like a beach house, in order to bless and create Mm. community for other people. So there's been many a times where... Say one of my buddies, Lizzie, she flew into California, and he's like, hey, Brookie, take Lizzie to the beach house. Here's the keys. Mm. Use all the surfboards in the shed Mm. and just have a good time of fellowship with her. And he's Mm. constantly doing that stuff daily. Like, he loves going to Dodger games, and he has the seats that are, like, right behind home plate. Yeah. And he's constantly, I see him, like, he'll be on the phone. He's like, yeah, go ahead and take the Dodger tickets. Oh, you're... Your great-great-grandfather's in town. Yeah, take him to the Dodger game. (laughs) Have him sit behind the plate. And it's like, man, like, he is just generous to the core of who he is because he knows where the blessing's coming from. Mm. Um, Another thing that I just so admire about Mark is his joy. Yeah. He has this 
overwhelming joy. Like when you enter a room, this life just like pours out of him Mm. and he just like Mm. hits you with the joy of Jesus. But at the same time, he has like this deep authenticity that comes out of him. Mm. So he's not only joyful about a situation, but even in a hard time, like the things that you guys talked about with what happened with his sister. Right or just other very difficult, challenging things. He's so real mm. about those things. And he still, even amidst mm. those trials, like James 1, mm. he chooses joy, which That's is right. so cool. Just those things juxtaposed. And then the last thing mm. that came to mind when I was just thinking about who Mark Hippler is, um, mm. is this idea of confidence and humility. Yeah. So you hear in this interview, like Mark is confident yeah. in who he, he is in Jesus. Mm. He knows the things he's been gifted in for the Lord's glory. Mm. And he is he's going to own that. He's like, yeah, right. I'm good at this so that I can bring the Lord glory. And I mm. have to be confident in that. Mm. But not only is he confident, but he's extremely humble at the same time, mm. which is just two things that you don't see in the same person. And right. I think that's just evidence of Christ's mm. upside down kingdom working in him. Mm. I think that's powerful. They're sharing that, Brooke, because I got to meet Mark and interact with him on several occasions. Yes. And he truly is one of just the greatest individuals I yes. think I've ever met. Yes. Like he's he is. just like the salt of the earth. You know how people say that? Yes. It's just like, man, there's something different. Yes, there's something different. That's a great way of describing him. I mean, that's what the podcast is all about, different mm-hmm. people. And it's not by the difference that we can make, but it's by the difference that Christ has made in and through them. And I yes. think it's so powerful that you said that he finds his confidence in Christ because I think that is then what produces the fruit that we get to see from him, yep. which is the love and the kindness and the joy and the peace that he possesses and the confidence, right, yeah. that he has because that's who he is. He's yeah. very, like you said, Christ-like, somebody that attracts me, somebody that you want to be around. He's like a magnet. Right? Yes. He just gravitates people toward him. And something that I feel like, you know, it's hunting season. So I've been spending a lot of hours in the tree stand, right? Okay. And, you know, that's what, um, where I feel very close to the Lord is in nature. Mm -hmm. And so in peace and solitude, just being in there in a tree stand, it's not about the deer coming through in my mind. It's more Mm -hmm. about just getting away and having that quiet time um, to just myself and the Lord. And something that kept getting brought up about this interview was the loss of his sister and just the pain that he's gone through. And, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of these interviews are all built around painful experiences. Yeah, They really are. And how God has been able to help people find purpose in the midst of their pain. And so I was actually reading then a Facebook post of one of my best friends, shout out to Jordan Tillis, his wife, Rachel, who Mm -hmm. I grew up with, went to high school with. The girl is an absolute athlete, right? Like she loves just getting after it, gritty. She'll do whatever it takes to the nth mile, right? Mm -hmm. So she has recently gotten into running. She's a sick person because she got into (laughs) running. I don't know who does that, but she's gotten into running to the point where she 
put herself up for this challenge where she was going to run a 50 miler. No. 50 Dad, miles. Me and Brooke were talking about run tests and stuff oh my where, gosh. I mean, 50 miles. Yeah, my run test is barely one mile and I'm huffing <laughs> off the field. 50 miles? <laughs> 50 miles. So okay. she had to run it this past weekend. So as I was praying for her, you know, leading up to this weekend, yeah. um, this past weekend on Saturday, she finally had the opportunity. She went out and she ran it. And so she made a post on um, her Instagram, actually, that I saw. It was in her story feed. And it was just a little paragraph that she wrote regarding this run. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how painful it was, but how in certain miles, she said like mile 25 to 35, she like hit an absolute mental roadblock. And she started singing, um, it is well with my soul to the Lord. And she started singing these words. And that's kind of what like helped propel her and push her through. Mm -hmm. And she had all this pain in her legs and all sorts of stuff, but yet she kept enduring it. Mm -hmm. And so the last sentence that she said was, I thank God that I'm able to do painful things. And that resonated with me, and it kind of connects then with painful times like Mark Hippler, one he went through. Because I sat there in my tree stand, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I thank God for the opportunity to do painful things too. Mm. Because I think of, you know, weightlifting. It's very painful, but I'm able to push myself. Yeah. Um, I think of running. I can push myself. To, but at the end of the day, they all have limits, right? Yeah. Because I can only push myself a certain amount, and then I get tired. Yeah. And then my muscle breaks down. And then I don't have enough in me to keep going, yeah. right? We are limited, but we live in a society and a culture that preaches endurance, 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 endurance. Yep. Just keep getting after it. Yeah. Get gritty. Just bear go. down. White knuckle it. Yeah. You got this on your own strength. Mm-hmm. But what happens when our limitations set in? So what happens when we go through the hard and the painful seasons of life, right? When endurance isn't enough. Yeah. And that's where I feel like a word that I want to talk about and what you're saying, these contradictions and confidence and humility, my thing is endurance. And the word I want to talk about is reliance. Yeah, They're completely different. Enduring is like, I can do this on my own strength. I'm going to push through and I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that sometimes in life, you have to get to the moments where like, in a sense, you hit your rock bottom. Yeah. My friend told me the other day, what if uh, he said a pastor said something like, sometimes you hit your rock bottom for God to reveal to you that he is the rock mm-hmm. at your bottom, right? Whoa. So what if you get to the point when where endurance isn't enough, and I could admit I don't have the strength to do it on my own. Yeah. And then we get to that point of surrender or reliance on God yes. because God has no limits. Yes. So when I give the reliance to him, then I can endure anything because I'm giving the limitations up. God, I have limitations and I admit that and I admire that, but you don't. So I'm going to rely on you then to endure through it, not on my own strength, but by your Mm -hmm. own. And so I think that's something that really reveals what Mark has done by finding his confidence in God, even in the hardest seasons of his life. Because sometimes it's not just about one set of a weightlifting. Sometimes it's like a yes. really dark season that can last for a really long time. And it, we just don't have that strength, but he does. Yes. And so that's kind of what I wanted to preach and, and ring home was that contradiction of endurance and reliance. And because of the reliance, then you can endure and then you can eventually overcome. Yes. And I think that is kind of what I think of when I think of who Mark Hippler is and what he's mm-hmm. been through. So... That powerful interview with Mr. Mark Hippler will be coming up right after 
this short break. It's no secret there's a beatdown on men, anything that's masculine. From the radical push to feminize men, to changing the core of what it means to be a man. But God made man for a purpose and a reason. When King David was on his deathbed, passing the baton of leadership to his son Solomon, there's a lot he could have said to him. But he told his son these words, be strong, and show yourself a man. You know why? Because he knew what was ahead of him. And it's because men matter, and they matter more than you know. It's time, really, it's time to rise up. Some good news is that something is stirring. Something's happening all over the country and around the world. Men everywhere from every walk of life are stepping up and they're crying out, God, I want my life to count. I want to make a difference. I want to be all that you created me to be. You may feel as if everything is lost and that this is your darkest hour, but God loves to meet you in your brokenness. He loves to use those moments to remind you of his presence and his power, to send you running back to him for hope and strength. Hear me, you're not alone. God is there for you and there is a remnant. There's an army, there's an uprising that's happening. Now is the time to show yourself a man and take it back. Order your copy of Take It Back by Dr. Tim Clinton and Max Davis at timclinton.com. Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. Here's your host, Zach Clinton. Hey, Mr. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Zach, great to be with you. Yes, sir. Man, this is such a blessing, uh, finally getting able to just pick your brain some, but also to hear from your heart, sir. You know, I want our listeners to understand this up front. You are one of the top attorneys in the country. Uh, You're noted as one of the top 100 most influential lawyers in America, and you're frequently featured in national media as an advocate for the injured and the wronged. You have an incredible track record. Sir, On the Built Different podcast, our entire heart is to really go back and to see what wires a man or woman differently, what makes them built different. And Mr. Mark, what I've learned over the years is that there's always what we like to call backwater, right? Or there's always a story that leads or influences the path for a person's trajectory. So, sir, let's go on a journey, shall we? Um, Let's start by going way back to when Mr. Mark Kipler was just a young man. When did you really feel called to become an attorney? Uh, Was there something inside of you, maybe an experience, a story, a person that led you down that path? Yeah, my uh, dad was probably the most influential person, a pastor at a very large church. Mm. And until about eighth grade, I didn't know you had a choice of being anything other than a pastor, (laughs) a lawyer, or a doctor. (laughs) And so he explained uh, about uh, with extra work, um, you can have opportunities wherever you are. Uh, If you're serving the Lord, you can make a difference. Mm. Uh, But he did have his mind, and he tried to set my mind on one of those three disciplines because he thought that they intersected with a lot of people. And uh, as a a pastor, I think he had a little bit of a a hope that it might go a little more that way. I love that. And I love what you said, making a difference. Because, sir, you began making a difference at just a young age and really throughout your career. When was it that you really, would you say, the age that you really got into it and started law school? And where'd you go to law school? Yeah, I went to Pepperdine University School of Law in Malibu. Hmm. And uh, 
that was uh, I was very blessed because uh, as as is today, they have a lot of wonderful Christian professors, people of all areas. Yeah. Uh, but I had those people in my life uh, that despite uh, struggles in law school, significant struggles my first year of mm. just is this where I'm supposed to be? I didn't feel like I was number one or yeah. uh, I barely felt like I was uh, the last guy in, in the, the class. Yeah. These people breathed into my life and said, hey, this is just part of the struggle. God's going to use this struggle. Your first year of law school, when things didn't seem like they were going too well, right. uh, to help you uh, as you go on. So mm. it's actually the struggles of life that have helped me to, uh, at times, um, uh, overcome and and take on some obstacles that mm. uh, many people thought probably weren't possible just based on, hey, how you did in your class in law mm. school. That's right. And that's a perfect segue, what you said, talking about the struggles of life. Sir, you and your family, as you got rolling into your law career, you're kind of just starting out, you guys experienced just a really hard and a difficult tragedy in April of 1993 as your sister Nalene passed away due to breast cancer. Sir, can you help our listeners understand how hard and how dark of a season that really got for you, but also help our listeners understand maybe what forged you or helped you or stabilized you during that really dark season? My closest friend um, through life had been my sister, 10 years older. Uh, She's diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm a very young attorney at a, a, a big firm in Los Angeles transitioning out to our county of Ventura. And I got the call that all of us uh, get at different times of life of someone close to us that's been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And so her, uh, she was very close. Uh, she provided me a room in her house. I, I didn't get any scholarships to law school. I was paying my own way. Yeah. She was there the day I passed the bar. And ironically, mm-hmm. she says, hey, I'm so glad we got a lawyer in the family in case I get <laughs> into trouble. And she was kidding as if it was a criminal situation. Right. But her insurance company said no. And a part of her contract said that if she did get sick uh, back when she was well, we'll pay for a bone marrow transplant. We'll pay for a $250,000 cancer treatment Mm. to allow you to live with your three kids. They were all under 10. So naively, once uh, she got the bad news of breast cancer, we looked at the great hope. She Mm. loved the Lord. She had great hope. But we also were looking towards physical medicine because God works through that. And yet this treatment was denied by her insurance company. So brother uh, tries to find the fancy Mm. lawyers and brother tries to find someone to put this in the hands of and nobody really wanted to touch it Mm. Uh, no one had won one of these types of cases called a bad faith denial of insurance Mm. so uh, i was the only one out there and um, i had uh, had enough preparation and enough experience and obviously a lot of passion Uh, but i was just five years out of law school when i took on uh, this battle to get her the treatment with Mm. the hopes of saving her life Mm. It's amazing because like you said, you know, I think a lot of people, and I've read some articles on this, a lot of people thought this was a David versus Goliath type of battle, right? I mean, they thought there's no shot because you're going against HealthNet and it caught just significant national attention and you actually end up winning this massive verdict case. Can you help our listeners really understand maybe how hard was it to go up and fight this battle knowing that it was for your sister that you had just lost, right? So going through that pain, but then also help our listeners understand what winning this case meant not only for you and your family, but for the countless other individuals in serious need for further, further medical evaluation across the country. Yeah. Um, so she had died six months before the trial started. Yeah. Um, she had been delayed and 
uh, denied, but we had rallied enough, uh, just mainly Christian people to help support her and get her in. So she enjoyed a year of disease-free survival. And then all of a sudden it came back with inventions. And so what was at issue is not, is it going to cure you, but is it a covered benefit in your insurance contract? Call it the book of promises. It's what we all get from our insurance company, but we never read. Mm. So in that uh, situation, we were able to uncover that they were paying bonuses to people to deny care. They would try to save as much money. And as we know with breast cancer, 180,000 women get breast cancer a year, uh, but only 40,000 die. Still terrible. Each of them are an individual. But most people can be cured if you get the right treatment at the right time. Mm. So we were able to expose all kinds of things uh, that the insurance company, once you're ill, would do to delay you. Because Mm. if you're dead, you're a lot cheaper once you have a tragic disease. Mm. And so in the process of unfolding this, uh, we we looked everywhere for help that we could. We used a lot of people around us, but it was just my wife and I Mm. that were fighting this battle because none of the big firms wanted to take it. And so in that context, the story of David and Goliath really became a a new story and a new empowerment for me because Mm. um, if I looked at myself like David, uh, I wouldn't even be willing to do this. I I would know that I, in my own self, would lose. Yeah. If I looked at the big insurance company and all their lawyers mm-hmm. and all their limousines, um, That's right. I, I would lose the focus. But we concentrated on, you know what? David looked at God, and mm. God was the source and strength of his power. David had to prepare. We don't read about all the preparation David probably went through to be used as God as best he could. That's right. And uh, yet, so we were in that position where uh, we had the opportunity Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the passion yeah. and we had adequate preparation. Was mm-hmm. it beautiful? No. Was I only five years out of law school? <laughs> yes. But we looked to God for our strength and then we just gave it all we got. I mm-hmm. think many Christians forget it does take a lot of hard work. God works through hard work and preparation. Mm-hmm. And then we put it in his, in his hands and just said, okay, this is all we got. We can't look behind us. We can't look forward. We need to try to make a difference with this despite my sister's death. And so, mm-hmm. Because of the verdict, because of what the jury did and what my sister suffered, many people were taken out of the line to stand in the line for the courthouse Mm. and given direct access to the operating room where you need to be when you're suffering from a grave disease like cancer. Yeah. And that's the greatest tribute to her. That's right. And I love that, sir. And I love what you did right there, how you started talking about David versus Goliath. It's funny because right before our interview, I actually screenshotted something. And this is what it says. It says, when David faced Goliath, he didn't talk about how dangerous Goliath was. He talked about how great his God was. Don't talk fear, talk faith. And so it's amazing how, you know, that just fits in and correlates perfectly with what you're saying about how God, how he shows up and then how he shows off in our lives. That's really what he does, and it's what he did in this case. Um, What looked like, you know, there's no chance, God said, watch me. You know what I mean? Just come to me and let me do the work for you, and that's really what he did, and I love what you did with it. You took what you won, and you took all these earnings, and you came up with this Hippler and Hippler Foundation, and you come up with what you guys do, your firm, with you and your wife, Michelle, and like you said, you utilize it as a tribute to your sister. And sir... I've, as I've already noted, you're recognized as one of the top lawyers in the country. Some of your cases have been featured on national television shows such as 60 Minutes, 2020, Nightline, Primetime Live, so many more. Sir, you and your firm have this incredible track record of, let's just say, winning. What the, it, does, it just doesn't happen like that, Mr. Mark. 
So what's been at the DNA, I would say, of the favor that you've experienced, and how has the Lord been involved every single step of the way? Well, I, I think that Nalene um, is the secret. Uh, she's kind of the secret partner, the silent partner, literally, in our yeah. firm. And so the compassion that you develop when you go through a death situation of someone so close to you has allowed me to kind of envision her in all of the hundreds of clients that we've mm. gotten afterwards. And so we don't accept a case unless we can feel passionate about it, if we think it's the right thing. Mm. And so I think God puts an intersection out there for all of us in whatever we're doing, right. where if you have passion, if you have preparation, and many mm. people want to forget the preparation, and then where you have the opportunity, where preparation, mm. opportunity, and passion intersect, that's where God wants us to be. Love that. And so as you as you think of your own life, um, the greatest hurts that you experience and I experience are our greatest mission fields mm. and maybe our greatest vocational fields. Amen. So the worst thing that ever happened to me was losing my sister under these circumstances. Yeah. The second worst thing was my first year of law school. Mm. Right now, some of my closest, deepest friends are cancer patients or friends or family of cancer patients yeah. and first year law students. Wow. So I've, I've been able to take that, the, the two most traumatic events of my life yeah. and uh, through God's blessing, use that to make a lot of new friends. Mm, I love that. Three words that I, I took were passion, preparation, and opportunity. And really what I'm hearing you say is you took your pain and your pain became your purpose. Sir, you're not only recognized as one of the most influential lawyers, but in a lot of people's viewpoints, including my own, you're recognized as an influential leader in our country today. Mr. Mark, help our listeners understand uh, some of the lessons that you've learned along the way that you really believe are at the heart of leadership. I know you've shared with me that you love speaking on the importance of mentorship and really understanding who's in your cabinet, or in other words, who's in your corner. Sir, how have you been able to press into meaningful, positive relationships to help push you, but also encourage you as you have grown in leadership and influence throughout these years? Yeah, well, I've been blessed, um, first of all, you know, with the identity that's in Christ. And we have to fight these things. They don't come easy. But that's right. when our identity is in Christ, you're pretty humble because you're a child of the king, but you've done nothing to deserve it. Mm. So in that context, um, you're humble, but you have a lot of confidence because you are a child of the king, even that's though right. you don't deserve it. So the humility with confidence helps you look through life. And First Timothy talks about mm. the inhibitors in our life of fear. Yeah. And so what I've had to encounter every day I walk into a courtroom is you've got the inhibitor of fear. Mm. And God does not want us to live with a spirit of fear, but a, a fear, a spirit of victory. So I've had to confront mm. the fears. And then the other thing that subtly can bring all of us down is um, the, the concept of envy or jealousy. Wherever you walk, wherever you go. There's someone that has something better or wants something better. And yet our whole role on life is to bring glory to God. Mm. So if we can put away fear and if we can put away jealousy and envy, we come back to, hey, I'm a child of the king. I need to use whatever blessings I have to God's glory. Mm. And then our focus becomes, how do I do the best with what I have? I'm not going to look like this guy. I'm not going to be that guy. I just got to go with my tools. Yeah. And then uniquely, God has blessed me with some trauma in life mm. that has been able to be turned into, uh, hopefully, ability to help others. Mm. So in that concept, um, I've needed some people. When this case came, and it's the largest verdict in, in, in America, yeah. um, I, I needed some people to help me uh, look at finances. 
I had to have people as, as I had a, a wonderful wife and we're having our first child days after this verdict, mm. I needed to get someone in my life on how to raise godly children. That's right. And then I've had people at every juncture, every one of my fears, I had a new cabinet member. Mm. So I was worried about my daughter going to middle school. I heard yeah. the stories of how mean girls can be to girls. And so I had in the most godly guy I could find with great kids who'd made mm. it through girls, who'd made mm. it through college. So the cabinet theory allows us to overcome the fear Mm. and work with what we have, but then also learn from others' mistakes. Mm. And so when I'm with really successful, uh, well-known people, I mm. want to hear about their mistakes. Mm. I want to hear what they learned. We can read about it. And people, as we witness, or as, as we're just an example or a friend to people, yeah. they're going to love us a lot more when they hear about our mistakes and our failures. That's right. what draws people together. That's right. And that's what also helps us to know where our strength comes from, where our real hope comes from, mm. despite whatever on this earth that's all going to disappear, mm. including our talents. That's right. And so that that has kind of really helped me because it's not about me, but it is about me utilizing the resources. So mm. by getting other people involved in my life, older than I, younger than I sometimes, has really helped me. And we try to institute that with our kids so that each of them have a cabinet member of people that will breathe into their lives, whether it's their career, uh, whether it's the Christian walk, whether it's their family, mm. uh, health, whatever it is, you want to have this cabinet around you because it's hard to go it alone. And That's we're right. going to make mistakes when we're not. But there's so many people in your own community that want to help you. They mm. want to reach out to you. And they're experienced in some area. And so you just develop, helps you overcome the fear and focus on the ultimate objective. It also helps you avoid the mistakes that someone else has made. Absolutely. The cabinet theory, that's so powerful because like you're saying, we need people. We were built and made for relationships. We were made to love and be loved, and we need people pouring into us, and we also need to pour into others. And I think it's important that our listeners understand what you're, what you're really saying is we live in a society and a culture of comparison and perceived perfection, but like you're saying, it's great to be able to go out there to be authentic and real with those that you love. And like you said, learn from each other's mistakes. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not have it all together. That's where Jesus comes in, right? He loves to dive into Absolutely. our mess, and he can then turn our mess into our message. So, sir, thank you so much for sharing that. And one thing I want to dive into here is, like you've said, you mentioned family. You know, sir, one of my favorite quotes is, if you really want to know if a man will be a good CEO or leader, ask his family. Mr. Mark, I want to acknowledge um, your amazing family for a second. You know, I know you and your wife, Michelle, you guys head up your firm at Hippler and Hippler, and together you have an incredible team of professionals underneath you. But I know even with all the accolades, all the recognition that you've received throughout the years, one of the biggest blessings and one of the biggest achievements that you have today are your three children. Um, so you're a father to a daughter named Sarah, and you have two wonderful sons, both of which have truly impacted my life and Ryan and Paul. For the listeners, Ryan actually played basketball at Liberty University when I was there playing baseball. Then you guys know Paul and just the joyful spirit that he has and that he talked about in one of our previous episodes. But sir, something I've noticed about your two sons and you in particular is that you guys have this, like you talked about, this extreme level of humility, but then you also carry yourself with such joy and it's so evident in all that you do and such a high level of character. So Mr. Mark, with everything you've accomplished, all of the accolades and you know the like you said, the influence and different things that you have, how important is it to really raise up a godly family and how proud are you to not only walk in the faith yourself, but to see, you know, your wife and your children walking in the same faith also? 
Well, that's the ultimate objective. And uh, we're all sinners saved by grace. And everybody goes through their ups and downs. But I think that's the ultimate objective. Um, uh, as someone told me when I first when I had my first daughter is that nothing else really matters. And I've had the conversation with them that whether you live under the bridge or you live in a big house, I don't care about that. The most important thing is your um, eternal uh, knowledge of having Christ in your life. Yeah. So I think that um, we've been blessed with so many other voices. We've been blessed with great cabinet members in all yeah. those kids' lives. And that's who really gets the glory. And at the same time, you know, none of us are perfect. So right. we've been through a lot of ups and downs together, even though sometimes the outcome looks positive. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've learned, and especially in the last year and a half, whoever we are, wherever we are, it's a deliberate act. And um, Philippians uh, 4, 8 and Colossians 3 talks about setting your mind. Mm-hmm. And so I have to preach to myself all the time, every morning, that I have to deliberately set my mind on mm-hmm. things above. Mm-hmm. And I think the kids have incorporated that much faster than I have, mm-hmm. that with all of the distractions, with the social media, mm-hmm. with all the temptations, if we set our mind on things above, what's good, what's pure, it's so easy to let the gravity of life, the gravity mm-hmm. of a political situation, the gravity of your job mm-hmm. bring you down. But if we start each day by setting our mind mm-hmm. on those things that are eternal and those things that matter, you know, we're a little insulated from the bumps and from the jams that all of us are going to get in life, regardless of our situation, regardless of our status. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, uh, that's been a thing that they've incorporated through the power of the Holy Spirit and through so many people uh, like your podcast and the work of your family and your dad, the the impact that uh, people will have. And sometimes it's complete strangers. And so I'm blessed that they've been in a circle of people mm-hmm. from their high school to their wonderful colleges mm-hmm. of people who have breathed into them uh, or have told them to, Hey, listen to Zach's podcast or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And those other voices become very important in the kids' lives as your voice is still there, uh, but they need the other voices. That's right. Well, it's been such a blessing, like I said, getting to know both Ryan and Paul and yourself, sir, and just who you guys are. And I think, like you said, it's so important to be pressing into relationships and first and foremost, our relationship with Christ. Because like you said, when the tough times come, when the distractions may be thrown our way, especially in our culture and society, you know, Christ is the one who sets our identity. Christ is the one who gives our purpose. Christ is the one who bestows us with confidence. And then ultimately, when we hear those things and we live in those freedoms, then we can live in the victory that you were previously talking about. Sir, I appreciate you more than you know. Um, You embody everything that it truly means to be a servant of the Lord and what I truly think it means to be built different. But Mr. Marcus, we're closing out here. Just one more question for you. When you look at, you know, the road ahead for you, when you look at your influence, when you look at your legacy, sir, what's the pressing word that the Lord has placed on your heart of hope, encouragement, and motivation for all of us that you want to leave here with us today for all the listeners to really go out and try to live a life that is more built different? Uh, I think that the one thing is to look at um, all of the the trauma and hurts that sometimes make us victims or sometimes set us back and look at those things as your greatest ministry Mm. potential. And so whatever age you are, whether you're retiring or not retiring or whether you're, you're by world standards, successful, have money, or you don't have anything. Yeah. Um, the, the real gauge is um, how can I glorify God today, mm. uh, whether it's in an elevator, whether it's um, working uh, under a bridge or on top of a bridge. 
Um, how can I glorify God today? Because then there's purpose in every day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, because he can give us the power to get through those. So I, I think it's just the focus on hey, my sole purpose is very simple. I'm a simple guy. I explain things, try to make complex things very simple. And the, the fundamental aspect is we set our mind on things above every day. Mm. And then we realize that we can't control the circumstances around us. Uh, most of our life is out of control. But when we look at it and say, hey, God, how can you use me today? I'm here to glorify you with a win. I'm here to glorify you with a loss. Yeah. I'm here to glorify you in my preparation. So hopefully I can win. That's, right. That's the ultimate significance because at the end of the day, you say, hey, uh, was I able to glorify God in this terrible situation? Was I able to glorify God in this great victory? Mm. And that kind of simplifies life so much. That's right. That's right, sir. I love what you said. Set your mind on things above and then really ask yourself, how can I glorify God today? Because like you said, he's the one that provides the power to then hopefully allow you the opportunity to fulfill your purpose. Mr. Mark, thank you so much uh, just for giving your time to us today, for giving us pieces and snippets of your mind, but also your heart. Uh, I loved hearing your vulnerability and we just cannot thank you enough for the person that you are, sir. So thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for your ministry, too. Yes, sir. Thank you. Dang, that interview was so good, Zach. Just so powerful. The things that the Lord spoke through you and Mark um, just really, really spoke to me. Mm. I think one of the things that really like stayed in my head was uh, when Mark said, God works through hard work and preparation, mm. and then it's up to us to then leave the outcome in his hands. Um, what I loved about that is I've been reading in 1 Corinthians, like I was mm. telling you earlier, Zach, and um, it was 1 Corinthians 3, and it's talking about how God makes things grow. Mm. So Paul's talking about this church that he planted in Corinth, yeah. and he said, I planted Apollos Watered, who's another guy he was working with, Mm. but God gave the growth. Mm. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. Mm. He who plants and he who waters will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Mm. And I think that's mm. exactly what Mark's talking about here in that God has commanded us to be obedient in this passage by watering and planting mm. so what that can look like say if we're on a sports team like planting seeds in those lost teammates of ours like there's people on our team that are lost we're going to plant the seeds of the gospel we're going to water we're going to pour into the girls on our team who have accepted jesus and we're going to disciple them we're going to have them over for dinner we're going to take mm. them out to starbucks we're going to water those seeds or say in your work, in your job, the things you're talented in, you're going to water those things because God's gifted you. He's given you influence in those areas. Mm -hmm. So we have to water them. That's right. But the thing is, like Mark said, we need to surrender the outcome because we don't make the growth. That's right. God's the only one that can bring growth. Mm. And like it says in Psalms 40, I waited patiently on mm. the Lord. That's what we need to do here. And it's this active sort of waiting because it's planting seeds and it's watering the seeds and it's waiting on God to bring the growth that we want yeah. in his timing. That's right. And so that's what I just loved 
about what Mark was saying because it's like, yeah, God brings the growth. God brings the growth. That's powerful. And I just want to keep going on what I was kind of saying before the interview and, and honestly branch off of what you're saying. And it's that same piece of God brings the growth. And yeah. like you said just a second ago, God is the one who delivers us at the yes. end of the day, yes. right? No matter what we're going through, the hard work piece and endurance is mm. a piece that we he asks of us but all built around reliance on him. Yeah. A, a passage that I always go back to and that I've spoken on a lot here recently, specifically to a bunch of high school teams and just high schools in general, is built out of Matthew 26 when Jesus goes up to the Garden of Gethsemane before mm. he's about to be crucified on the cross. And he goes up with his disciples, right, his cabinet members right yeah. there. And as he goes up there, um, his heart is filled with sorrow, and he feels troubled. He literally says in verse 37, and then as he's talking to his disciples and they fall asleep, he walks over into this area by himself, mm. and he starts praying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yeah. right? So he sees the cup, which is the wrath of God that he has for us, for our sinful nature. The cup is filled with God's wrath, mm -hmm. and he doesn't really want it, right? It's like, that's a little too tough, God. It's going to be tough to endure. But then he goes on to say, but not as I will, but as you will, mm -hmm. right? Let your will be done in my life, yes, regardless of what I have to endure, because he already saw what he was going to have to endure by drinking every last drop of that cup of God's wrath mm -hmm. on the cross for you and for me, regardless of what I have to endure, I'm going to rely on you, knowing that my pain is going to produce something greater. It's going to produce growth, like mm -hmm. you're talking about. And God, I know that if I rely on you, you'll be in the midst experiencing what I have to endure with me. And ultimately, because of that, that's where I can overcome, and that's where you will deliver me from everything that I have to go through. So let mm. not my will, but your will be done. I know mm. there's somebody out there that has been really trying to endure a tough season of their life, Brooke, yeah. without understanding the gift of reliance and surrender on God, to understand that you don't have to endure alone anymore because yep. you can't do it yeah. on your own. Come on, Zach. But <laughs> I'm telling you, God and with his strength will deliver you and he will allow you the opportunity then to endure if you just relied on him. Mm, dang. God is in the midst. God will deliver us. That's right. And God will bring the growth. That's right. That's so good. That's right. Well, as always, thank you guys so much for being a part of this Built Different podcast and joining us today. We'll see you, see you next, next time, time on, on the, the Built Different, Different Podcast. Hi there, this is Jessica from the Built Different Podcast team. As a reminder, you can listen to this show on your favorite podcasting platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Whatever platform you choose, please remember to subscribe to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton.